Welcome to Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends with law enforcement professionals and personalities from across Canada. This episode is brought to you by Goodyear Eagle Enforcer, the recognized leader for police pursuit tires. Goodyear has the tires and technology to help your police fleet perform at its best, no matter the weather. Pursue confidently. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blue Line, the podcast. I'm Renee Franker, the editor of Blue Line magazine. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're speaking with Maria Yanun Cielo, a Durham College professor currently teaching in the Police Foundations program. At the age of 18, Maria became the first female cadet to join the Durham Regional Police Service. During her 18 years with the Ontario Service, she worked on the road in Ajax, Oshawa, and Pickering. And she also specialized in the areas of victim services and domestic violence for an extended period of time. She holds an undergraduate degree in psychology, a Master of Arts in Education, and is also a passionate advocate for mental health and wellness. Maria, thanks for coming on the podcast as part of our Women in Law Enforcement series. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. New school year starting. Uh, things are uh, winding up again, I, I hear. Yeah, it's very busy right now. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'm going to jump right in. Uh, kind of a fun way to start off this podcast. So one word to describe yourself and go. Energetic. Ah, I like that. I can pick that up. And that probably helps with all the students. Yes, it does. So going back uh, to your female cadet days, uh, the first female cadet at DRPS, what was that like? Why, why did you join, I guess, in the first place? Let's start there. Uh, at the time, uh, there was what was called a cadet program on most of the Ontario services. And Durham Regional Police had a police cadet program where you could actually go right from high school uh, right into policing. Uh, there still are a few services that have that right now, but not many. So I was down in guidance one day, and I took a look at the uh, requirements, and I thought I met them, and I thought, what the hell, let's go for it. So I would like to tell you it was some lifelong dream that I wanted to be a police officer since I was three, but that really is not the case. Uh, so I applied and went through the process, and uh, I got on. So policing in the family, then, is not really a thing. You don't come from that blue blood family. No, not at all. There's mm. nobody in my family that's a police officer. All right, so I'm going to ask the question because everybody's dying to know, but what was it like to be the police agency's first female cadet? It was uh, very interesting. I'm glad I was as young as I was and I, as I'm naive as I was because I think some things sort of went over my head. Uh, but it was uh, a little bit of tokenism. I was in a lot of photo ops. I was asked to be involved in a lot of fundraising activities and pictures and um, you know, representing the police service. Uh, so that was a little bit different. I didn't realize that's what I would be getting into. Um, there was a lot of things. I think the police actually had a harder time knowing what to do with me, quite frankly, and how to treat me and, and things like that. So it was kind of a, a learning curve for everybody. What about the most profound moment? Uh, if you could go back to one of those uh, instances that really sticks out in your life, in your career, maybe it's policing, maybe it's in the education field. Um, but tell us one about one of those moments. I would say um, in victim services, I worked there for an extended period of time and I dealt with a lot of domestic violence victims. And I can honestly say that when you support a victim through a process, um, at the end, the success is tremendous compared to a victim, for example, who's not supported. So I found that very, very rewarding. And, you know, getting a card at Christmas that would say something like, you know, thank you so much, you saved my life, for example. 
uh, just, I mean, what other job could you work in where someone would actually thank you for saving their life? Because had they have stayed in the situation, they probably wouldn't be alive. Um, so just a profound reward. Um, I also do find, though, in education, that same reward. So you would get a student, for example, that didn't see themselves completing or being successful, or, for example, uh, an applied student in high school comes to us in a diploma and never sees themselves bridging to university and then does and comes back and says, I never could have done this without your help. So very similar in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not as daunting, uh, but uh, definitely a very similar reward. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about both of those jobs. That's great. So then at least you're not missing uh, that part of the, the police world because you found it now in this uh, new realm of education yeah, as I well. Didn't, I didn't know that I would. Mm. Uh, I didn't really, I saw education and policing as so different. Not, not as much as I had thought. Uh, there is a lot of rewards in education and there still is a lot of risk in education as well with students and mental health. And so you're navigating them through a process and there is a lot of rewards at the end. Beautiful. I, uh, just uh, popped into my head, you know, domestic violence, it's uh, heavy. Um, how did you take care of yourself while you were in cases like that and in the thick of it? I was actually remarkably able to compartmentalize some of the things that I had dealt with and seen and heard. Um, literally leave it at work and come home and be very, um, show a lot of gratitude for what I had in my life. So it's sort of like the opposite for me. Um, I would leave every day saying, wow, I have a really good life. Uh, and some of the things were quite um, daunting. I'll use mm -hmm. that word again. Mm -hmm. um, I was involved in the Julian Hadley inquest, which was an intimate homicide. Uh, so, you know, in a police career, when you have something like that, it can really change you as a person. And when you're on the stand and you're being questioned as to how, how did this happen, um, it, it really shapes your career. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Uh, well, moving right along then, teaching. How did teaching come into your life? I was on the police service and we had uh, this annual posting for a secondment officer to basically teach at Durham College for two years. I applied to that and I got in. And when I got to Durham College and I started teaching and I started to get to know my colleagues, I could not believe how much I fell in love with this job. It was quite different uh, from policing. And I know I stated that there's some similarities, but I'm going to go to the differences. Uh, it was very positive, uh, very uh, inspiring. Everybody was sort of on the same page. Uh, you were very respected. It was uh, quite a remarkable change for me. So I knew pretty well right away that I wanted to compete for full time, and I knew I had to spend the two years there. Um, the good thing is I had previously started my degree when I was 19 on the police service, and they actually paid for all of my degree. So I was very lucky that when I was in a position where it mattered, that I had that education behind me. So um, I did compete full time and I did get on. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. I've been there for 15 years now full time. And really seen quite uh, the evolution, I'm sure, which, which leads us to my next question, which is, uh, you know, how have you witnessed the change, uh, the modernization of police training um, in regards to the academic component again? Um, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen? I would say that uh, because policing has changed, I know for our program specifically, we've tried to keep up with the changes as we've seen them in policing. So for example, moving uh, more away from say a law enforcement approach, a physicality approach, more to um, an advocacy crisis negotiation, uh, mental health awareness, and therefore we're trying to equip our students with the same skills that we're seeing, um, that recruiters are actually looking for um, in police candidates. Very uh, applicable to real life. 
Um, what is it about your police foundation students that most excites you when you, you look into the future? Right now, I think the thing that most excites me is the mass hiring that's going on in policing. So we used to say to our students, you know, you're really young, you probably aren't going to get hired, so you should really look at something else to do. The average age at police college is about 28. However, we're finding that is not the case anymore. So huh. with mass hiring with OPP and RCMP, as well as regional services, um, we're finding that our students are getting hired. So we're really training them a bit differently and saying, you know, you can be hired. So put your best put forward and, uh, you know, really do the volunteer work. Make sure you get good marks, do your mental health first aid certificate, get all kinds of experience. And they are actually going in and getting jobs. It's good news. That's what we want to hear. Okay. Uh, you implemented a field placement in Durham's program where your students work with at-risk youth. Um, and that's great. I, I want to talk more about that. And uh, it might be obvious, but, you know, in your words, why, why is this so significant? Well, as I said before, we're trying to mirror what we're seeing in policing. Uh, you are working a lot with marginalized uh, populations, uh, mental health, marginalization, youth at risk, and it has probably been one of the best things for our students in our program and sort of sets us apart in Ontario for our Police Foundations program. So I literally was reading the paper one day. I was looking at the EQAO results uh, for our elementary schools in our area, and I saw one of the schools that had a 1 out of 10. And I was shocked. I thought, you've you got to be kidding me. How did these students stand a chance? At the time, I was the program coordinator. And uh, I just called up the principal, Police Foundation's coordinator. And part of our vocational outcomes is looking at our students working with marginalized youth. How would you feel about us volunteering? She said, wow, that would be great. We got together. We did a pilot uh, with a bunch of students from a January intake. And it was very, very successful. Um, so successful that I went to my boss and said, can we write this in to our community policing course? And she said, yeah, absolutely. So we wrote it in, and right now it's a standing requirement in our uh, community policing course that they will go out three hours a week, and they will um, basically work with marginalized youth. We've added to that um, in recent years to include about three other schools, as well as now our work college initiative, which is the dual credit students in high school. Wow, okay. So we've really expanded and we have a really great reputation with our stakeholders, which is Durham District School Board. Okay. And the students have just gotten so much out of this experience. They're able to use it in interviews. Uh, yeah. Recruiters like to hear this kind of work. And many of our students have actually stayed on with the schools outside of that and used the teachers as references as well to get hired. So it's been quite a win-win for everybody. Amazing. Do you, do you have any like specific anecdotes uh, from some of your students about how this uh, truly either changed their lives or changed their career um, trajectories? I would say I have a lot of students that write reflection papers to me that say this was the best experience of my diploma or this is one of the best experiences of my life. As well, I've heard things like, I never knew how great I could be with kids. I never knew how much I could make somebody's day. So, in fact, you know, by trying to help others, um, in fact, I see it as it's, it's helped our students, quite frankly. It's given them a lot of confidence about what they can do. Some people have said, you know, I don't really want to do policing anymore. I think I want to work with youth. So it's just opened their eyes. I mean, some people don't feel comfortable with it. You mm -hmm. know, not everybody loves it. Um, so for some people, maybe they, you know, they decide that maybe this really isn't for me. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could work with marginalized communities. I'm too judgmental, for example. Right. So it, it really is a win-win um, for everybody involved. 
Yeah, just the revealing component yeah. about it yeah. then, and, and the wider impact on community as a whole. That's right. Right? Yeah. So fantastic uh, job. Kudos to all of you there at uh, Durham, especially for bringing that in. Uh, mental health. You're also a mental health first aid instructor. So um, officer wellness is huge right now, as you know, where there's headlines day after day about uh, um, suicide prevention or just mindfulness um, and how to be more mindful to take care of our officers. Um, so, you know, in your opinion, what, what do we need to be doing um, from that mental health uh, perspective to really protect our law enforcement officers and those training to be law enforcement officers? I'll just kind of back up. For us, sure. um, we have implemented the mental health first aid certification in our police foundations program in our second semester. Uh, initially, that was to add a certification for them uh, so that when they did go into the field placement, the, the next semester in September, they had a little more experience with how to talk, understanding, some basis, basic statistics around youth, things to say, things not to say. Uh, so that's been very beneficial. But in doing that, what I found is that it actually helped students. So we were not uh, expecting things like, you know, doing this course really helped me. Um, I began to understand my mother, my sister, my brother. I began to understand myself. So in fact, um, we're really tackling our own student mental health as well as we're actually getting them certified. Well, so uh, it's weird, then. yeah, it really yeah. is. And I know that uh, the Mental Health Commission has just recently brought in a police course um, certification um, that is a little bit different than, than the way uh, we teach this. It's apparently four hours online and then it's an in-class. Uh, so I think there is an attempt to also get police certified in these. Just, uh, you know, obviously they can't maybe afford the two full days. But um, the dialogue really needs to be there. Uh, the normalcy of talking about mental health needs to be there. And I think one of the ways to do that is to certify people in this. Agreed. Completely. And it, there's definitely change happening, but uh, there's room for improvement. Uh, for sure. Sure. There's a ways to go yet, mm -hmm. uh, especially for the law enforcement side of it. Um, your overarching hope for the policing field in Canada in the next, you know, five or so years. I, I'd love to hear that. Well, I think right now there's a lot of outreach to be more representative of the population that we serve. I don't think we're, you know, really even close uh, right now. The Police Services Act does say that we should be representative. And, you know, oftentimes women are not maybe drawn to the career. A lot of visible minorities aren't. So um, I am seeing the changes now. Um, outreach, trying to get people that uh, will represent us, whether that be gay, straight, transgendered, uh, Asian, black, Filipino, speaking different languages. So uh, my hope is that we're able to do that and uh, just be more representative so that, you know, the whole population can see themselves in the police. Right, right. That needs to happen. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's a given. Well, we are going to end each episode with uh, two fun questions. So prepare yourself. Uh, they might be a little uh, off-center, but uh, let's start things off by tell us something your colleagues might not know about you. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I'm a pretty straightforward person. They probably know a lot, but I would say um, that I have a musical theater background. Uh, oh. I, I don't think people look at police officers as having that kind of side. And like I said to you before, it was kind of a fluke when I walked into guidance and said, oh, I think I'll try this. So um, my skills up until that point had been, you know, being musicals and playing the piano and doing my grade eight conservatory, uh, things that you really wouldn't think, um, you know, a police officer would maybe have. Amazing. But that probably added to the skills too, where that you were using out in the community, right? Having that extra layer and 
that relatability. Uh, you probably drew on it uh, more than expected to even. Yeah, I remember a few times um, being asked to sing in, in dress uniform, for example, at awards nights and things like that. So again, when you say, you know, what was it like? Um, I don't know that they ever really had the scenario before. So it was just trial, trial and error, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you still have quite a few contacts at Durham, by the yes, way? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in fact, we have um, our uh, learning center basically within the college. Uh, that's right out of Durham College. So I'm able to go in and say, hey, can you show me the latest young offenders forms? Because I'm going to be teaching that in a class. And so I can be very current as a result of having these contacts. Oh, that's great. That's, yeah. That really uh, kind of ups the ante mm -hmm. too. Um, what's the one thing you couldn't live without? Well, besides wine. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, I would say travel. Travel. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I would say travel. I think that just opens our minds and gives yeah. us... Uh, other places to go outside of your sort of small world, and that's a big part of my life. Yeah, well, favorite place? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> Thailand? Amazing, okay. Uh, and Italy. Well, Maria, thank you so much for joining us here today and sharing your story and passions uh, with Blue Lines listeners. All the best as you continue to inspire tomorrow's officers at uh, Durham College. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Blue Line, the podcast. Thank you to everyone listening, especially those out protecting our communities right now. Stay safe, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Goodyear Eagle Enforcer, the recognized leader for police pursuit tires. Goodyear has the tires and technology to help your police fleet perform at its best, no matter the weather. Pursue confidently. Thank you for joining Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement.